so bored You need to walk the other way I tell you once more Please get out of my way I don't want you no more We're done here, boy Hello and welcome to Women Leading in Cannabis. I'm your host, Kira Reed. Thank you for joining us. Our guest today is Hiba Sadiq, founder of Green Takeover, an education platform simplifying the complex worlds of climate action and hemp. Welcome to the show, Hiba. Hi, Kira. So glad to be here. Born in Minneapolis and raised in Saudi Arabia, Hiba was, has spent 7,500 hours leading diverse global teams to deliver impactful awareness campaigns. Since 2014, she's leveraged this leadership expertise in projects and operations to increase global climate literacy and inspire action while using hemp as a catalyst for a greener economy. Hiba broke new ground when creating the first ever carbon literacy course to incorporate hemp, which is accredited by the award-winning Carbon Literacy Project in the UK. Hiba later made major strides in both hemp and Saudi culture by producing the first abaya ever to be made from hemp. Truly a woman of the world, Hiba called Washington, D.C. home for 20 years before moving back to Saudi Arabia in 2021, where her work continues to bring her to the epicenter of two critical global conversations, microplastic pollution and industrial hemp. Hiba is a board member of the Institute of Applied Technology in Hemp Agriculture, a standing advisory board member at the Black Experience in Cannabis, and an active member of the Hemp Industries Association and the National Hemp Association. Wow. So, Hiba, you are calling in right now from Saudi Arabia. That's right. Well, I am dying to hear your story. How did you find your passion for hemp, and how challenging is it for you to lead with this cause in Saudi Arabia? I was actually introduced to hemp in late 2014. Um, I had started a startup at the time to help visionaries uh, bring their dreams to life through business planning, strategic planning and helping them develop uh, investor pitches. My second client had just won a pitch competition for a CBD moisturizer. So of course I said, yes, I would help her. Uh, And then I had no idea what hemp or CBD were at the time. And that's really when I started going down the rabbit hole and peeling layer after layer and just learning more, not just about hemp performance benefits as a material, but its environmental impacts as well. I was also working at the time with a nonprofit organization focused on sustainability and investigative stories related to that and found that through the research uh, we did on microplastic pollution and sea level rise, every time I bring up hemp in all these different contexts and conversations, it's sort of dismissed. Like, okay, that's wonderful, you know? And I found that we have a real problem because It made me second-guess myself at the beginning, but then I went back to look at research papers. I spoke to academics in the field studying hemp and found that actually this has a huge, tremendous power for helping us tackle the climate crisis. And people are ignoring it, particularly professionals working in the field. And so that's really how this idea came together of it's not enough for us to be driving the hemp industry, which I'm very grateful to all the advocates and everyone who helped push through 
this plant and you know passed the farm bill in 2018 but also for us to show the world that this isn't an industry in isolation this is something that everyone needs to be aware of and no matter what industry discipline they work in so i imagine that being a woman in saudi arabia really presents a lot of limitations on your ability to be taken seriously or do much of anything can you explain why you chose to go back to Saudi Arabia with your message about him? So I'm in Saudi Arabia temporarily, actually, um, because of my mom's health issues. But I found that when I was out here, um, there was a lot of space to have the conversation about it and to start to educate people about it because there's such an interest in climate change and climate action right now, specifically over the past three years. And so being able to introduce hemp as a solution has been something that interesting and uh, quite different, <laughs> to be quite frank. There's still a very strong stigma. I would liken it perhaps even a little bit more to what's been in the U.S. the past five, 10 years. What is your grand vision for hemp around the world? And do you see the marijuana side playing a role in that as well? I think there are two different conversations in some, in some sorts. Um, so one, as far as legislation, as far as industrial uses, I think they play very different roles. One of them very important in, in medicinal uses and recreational uses. The other really an industrial material. And I think that that overlap or that confusion between them is causing such um, stagnation in driving it forward, right? So I do see hemp being something like if we think of the plastic industry, that's the hemp industry. The paper industry, that's the hemp industry, right? Textiles and fashion, that's the hemp industry. So I really don't see it as a separate industry as much as a layer that's going to be in or needs to be integrated into everything else. So just the same way uh, the dot-com boom was early 2000s or social media 10 years later, regardless of what your profession or industry is, there is a way for this to be incorporated into your work. And I do think that hemp is the same, particularly because it fits in with a lot of the, the conversations that we're having and the movements and initiatives towards the green economy, whether whatever we call it, whether we're calling it climate action and focusing specifically on the source of the problem, whether it's our move to a sustainable economy and looking at the United Nations sustainable development goals, hemp plays a critical role in that, whether we're looking at how we manufacture um, and a circular economy. Again, hemp plays a very important role in that, in green cities. And so it's really a layer to be added into everything else that we're already doing. And why, with everything that we know about hemp, is there, why hasn't it been adopted? Why hasn't it rapidly been adopted when we're looking at climate change, we're looking at the devastation that microplastics are causing around the world, and we have this solution? We even mentioned paper, you know, we're still tearing down trees for toilet paper and paper that we write on. And yet we know that that hemp is a problem solver for all of these things and are helping the fight against climate change. Why is it not being rapidly adopted? Well, I think there's two main reasons for that. Uh, one, naturally, is education. You know, I mean, and I believe that anyone in the hemp industry can attest to this, that it's not something that you can just grasp from day one. There's so many layers. It takes time to really better understand what this plant is and then get over your own stigma of, okay, well, why have you been using this? And do your own research. So education is a very critical piece of it. 
but also we don't have enough processing facilities yet. And so one, I do speak to professionals in the field and they're like, this is amazing. Is it cheaper? Is it cheaper? And I say, well, no, not yet. <laughs> it will be. Uh, but processing facilities, it's very expensive to build large-scale processing facilities. Uh, investment isn't there yet. It's not going to be a quick return. Uh, and if you think about facilities, for example, in Europe that are, for example, um, offering hemp fiber to car manufacturers there, it's a whole different game when you're thinking about supplying GM. Just the quantity is so much more. So processing facilities, we need to have a lot more. We need to have a lot more production so the price can drop. Once the price drops, I think that we'll start to see it being adopted a lot more. And I hope that between now and then we can work on that education piece so that when that hemp creek project hits an architect's desk, they're not hearing about it for the first time. So what are the levers that we need to be pushing to get those processing plants? Is that grants from the government? Is that private investment? How do we how do we make that happen? How do we get those in charge to recognize the urgency and the need to make that happen immediately? It's a combination of both. So there's going to we're going to need government support. We're going to need government grants uh, to help fund these facilities, as well as private investments and looking at creative ways to reward investors, so to say, so that they are interested in in investing in these facilities and helping them being built and you know, unfortunately, time. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's just, I think, a matter of fact, time and education. So if you look around the world at the advancements that are being made in hemp, who do you think is the world leader in hemp production? Who do you think will be over time? You know, here in California, we're basically out of the game. And I don't really see very many people in the U.S. taking it seriously as a path forward and sustainability. So who are we going to be behind? You know, that's a good question. And I, I don't know that I can tell you the answer top of mind about who's going to be the leader. I obviously still have hopes. I'm an optimist. And I feel that we still have a long way to go. Uh, the industry is way in its infancy at this point. And so we, it's about getting a handful of those processors up and running and then being able to simultaneously show people, and when I say people, show professionals, particularly those manufacturers, educators, uh, engineers, showing them how it can really help benefit and drive their own goals. And I think that that's what, what's missing is how can we bring it back to not this is something new that you should be looking at, but this is something that can actually help your initiative and your initiative and your initiative. And let me show you how we can do that. I think that's really when we'll start to see change. And I do honestly feel it's going to be so huge because it does fit into all those different industries and initiatives. Do you see hemp playing a vital role in the liberation of women in the Middle East? Good question. Um, I don't know that it's directly, I don't know that it's going to directly liberate women here. I think that a lot has been happening for women in the Middle East. Um, some may argue not enough, but I mean, myself being back in Saudi Arabia, the last time I lived in Riyadh was 20 years ago. And wow, it's a different world. Uh, I mean, from the women greeting me at the airport to the women I'm meeting that are leading companies, investing in companies. Um, so there's so much that's happened and changed. There's a lot of opportunities in climate action. I don't think we're there yet with hemp, particularly looking at the climate. So agriculture is is important here, but it's very, um, 
minimal compared to some of the other countries and regions, right? It's a desert climate over here. And so initiatives have been driven in the Middle East, particularly in the Gulf region, looking at a circular carbon economy and whatnot. However, in the big picture, I do think hemp offers a fantastic opportunity for women. And I really see that having those two bridge together, that climate pace with hemp, because really it's any industry that you're in, hemp is part of it. Mm -hmm. So I do see it's opening doors as far as providing other opportunities. But just to be honest, I don't think directly it's going to be a liberator. What is the outcome? What does it look like when everything that you're fighting for has been won? What does the world look like? The world looks like universities are teaching about this material the same way every engineer all across the world learns how to build with wood, with uh, cement and concrete. This is something else they will learn how to build with. Uh, it looks like the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals are being addressed and we're, we're meeting our marks and meeting our KPIs through incorporating industrial hemp. It looks like us being able to meet our net zero goals of carbon emissions by incorporating hemp on a large scale. It looks like millions of jobs are going to be created because of this new uh, material that we're going to integrate into all different industries. That sounds very exciting. What is it that you are most committed to kind of the outcome? Because we've talked a lot about the different ways that hemp can be used. What is the, what is the biggest impact you think could be made? If we could only use hemp in one way, what would be the biggest impact it's going to make for climate change? Agriculture. I mean, it's, it's kind of a trick question, honestly, Kira, because I think one of the beauties of this plant is that after you grow it, the enormous amount of carbon that it's able to sequester, almost three times more than mature trees in a similar area, it rejuvenates the soil. So whether we're looking at that as one of our main carbon sinks, uh, rejuvenating soil and battling soil erosion, that in itself, I think, is one of the biggest benefits that we can have as far as directly addressing climate change or Goal 13, climate action. But then once we have this plant and we've been able to sequester all this carbon, we now have this material that can be put into millions of industries. So I think fiber, really fiber and grain, but particularly fiber is where it's going to really boom. And from the fiber, that's where we get textiles, that's where we can get uh, bioplastics, building materials. So what is the approach with farmers? So for instance, in California, uh, a lot of our farmers two years ago jumped into hemp as soon as it was legal in the farm bill. And it was a complete disaster. There were no buyers on the other end. California couldn't get their act together about um, the CBD as an ingredient in edibles. And the farmers decided, you know, it's only worth growing if we're going to make a ton of money extracting CBD or selling it as smokable flour. But to grow it for uh, climate purposes, is it's not lucrative for farmers. So how are we going to bridge that gap between the need for hemp and agriculture and the bottom line that a lot of these farmers who have this land are looking at, I can't, I can, you know, why spend, why put hemp in the ground when I can do tomatoes or another crop and make twice as much? Uh, yes. And so basically one of the ways that farmers can really incorporate hemp is not looking at it as this is going to make me lots of money next year. 
or the same way they approached CBD, right? But looking at this is a way to mitigate my risk on a farm. This is a way for me to trans transform my farm into regenerative agricultural practices to be able to move in that direction and use this plant as a cover crop to use it between um, as a rotation crop, to use it in a lot of different ways to be able to minimize my risk and at the same time keep my farm healthy. So I wouldn't say that you that I wouldn't advise farmers either, honestly, on a large scale just yet, because where are they going to take it? <laughs> we don't have that many processing facilities. But absolutely start that educational process on your own farm. Learn how to mitigate your own risk, help improve the quality of your soil as part of your pivot to regenerative agriculture, and you will gain rewards down the line. Absolutely. How does Saudi Arabia and the Middle East view hemp and how does it view cannabis as a whole, including marijuana? I mean, are you constantly having to explain yourself? Is it a very clear line? They, they prefer one over the other. What is the attitude towards it as a whole over there? There's really, it's not common here. So there's no awareness. The only thing uh, most people would be familiar with when you say cannabis is marijuana. Um, and that was one of the reasons behind me making the hemp abaya. Uh, I was uh, living in Washington, D.C. still and coming to visit my family. And I wanted something that was tangible, that I'd be able to show them as this is what hemp is. This is what it can do. Uh, so I made my abaya. I made a pair of pants. I have my bag. And it's uh, similar to how the reactions I got from many people in the States. It was, wow, I had no idea that there is this whole other plant that doesn't have THC that can actually be made into textiles and be made into these other products. It's still a schedule cannabis overall would be similar to how it is in, uh, or how it was schedule one um, narcotic. We don't have schedule one over here, but it's, it's a drug uh, and viewed that way. And there's not much um, conversation about it yet to be quite frank. So uh, that education, that global education how are you going about doing that in the Middle East? And is that a focus of yours going forward? So yes and no. So while most of my clients work um, are in the U.S., um, while most of my clients are based in the U.S. and a lot of the workshops that I conduct and a lot of the trainings I do are over there, I have begun um, creating some training programs that help inform what hemp is as part of a broader context. So with the climate literacy course, I do have a Saudi design course that's coming out next month. So that will introduce them in a light way to what hemp is and some of the benefits it can provide. And then also with social media, that's going to be something that we're launching soon, which is uh, bilingual content. So they'll have opportunity to learn about this without necessarily having to come to an event or signing up for an event that speaks about this topic because the stigma is very strong. And so by being able to offer something online where they can look at from the comfort of their home in Arabic, um, speaking a little bit more to the cultural sensitivities here, I'm hoping that'll help start the conversation. Tell me about the black experience in cannabis. The black experience in cannabis is fantastic. Kia Jackson is the founder and Basically, what we do is produce educational events, seminars. It's been the producer of the Congressional Black Cannabis. This is the Congressional Black Caucuses Cannabis Symposium for the past several years. And it really looks at how can we bring diversity? How can we work with a group of 
different individuals from various backgrounds and be able to present um, information about cannabis in a wide range of action-based ways, right? So a lot of the focus with the Black experience in cannabis is on legislation and how can we push forward um, various initiatives that are going to help both in a cannabis industry and creating justice, but then also in being able to create more fair and equitable opportunities for those already in the industry. I, it sounds like an amazing organization and I can't believe I haven't heard of it before. Is there anything else that I have not covered that you wanted to share with my audience today? I'd like to invite them to be um, green curious, regardless of what industry they're in and to think about hemp really from the context as a broader picture, as something that no matter where you're doing, there isn't a specific uh, action that you need to take to join the industry. Rather, think about how you can start where you are. How can you start sharing that knowledge? And how can you find common ground with those around you so that you're able to find a way that you're able to push it forward through your own experiences, through your own expertise, and through your own paths and networks? Excellent. If women want to know more about you or about any of your organizations, how can they find you? Uh, they can find us at greentakeover.com uh, and Green Takeover on Instagram, Green Takeover on Twitter, and sign up for our next uh, carbon literacy course. It's starting August 11th. Uh, we talk about how we got to this climate crisis that we're in. We break down the differences between climate change, sustainability, climate action, make it all make sense. And then talk about specific concrete action areas that everyone can take in their personal life and in the sphere of their business to be able to adopt some of these practices and make a difference. Excellent. And for my last question of the day, what is it in regards to hemp that you are most excited about in the upcoming year? And what is it that you're most concerned about in the upcoming year? I'm most excited about finding ways to link it with climate action. So we have a huge awareness campaign that I'm partnering with several organizations on to launch in alignment with COP26, the climate conference happening in Glasgow, November 1st to the 12th. So I'm most excited about this opportunity. And what I'm worried the most about is the Safe Banking Act taking way too long to pass. Uh, I think there are a lot of people that feel the same. Well, thank you so much, Hiba, for your time and for sharing your journey with us today. Ladies, thank you for tuning in. If you haven't yet joined the Women Empowered in Cannabis community, go to our brand new membership portal at womenempoweredincannabis.com. There you'll find lots of information on our new memberships for women working in cannabis. You can also find us on Clubhouse as WEIC, where we host AMA rooms with investors and recruiters and monthly open mics to introduce yourself to the community. WEIC is a community that provides resources connections, events, and content to women working in cannabis in the U.S., Canada, and around the world where there's an interest in cannabis legalization. We welcome women who are currently working in cannabis or curious about taking a leap into the industry. Consider becoming a supporting member or supporting business for benefits and access across the network. And be sure to join us again for another conversation with women leading in cannabis. Thanks for listening to today's show. 
To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hey everyone, it's Ryan from the Cannabis Connoisseur Podcast. If you're looking for ways to utilize cannabis to keep you healthy, strong, and sharp, come join us every Wednesday where we dive into the best ways to use cannabis to optimize your life. Topics include cannabis and athletics, cannabis for productivity, cannabis for anxiety, cannabis for a healthy immune system, and so much more. If you're a curious connoisseur, this show is for you. So please head over to our page and we're looking forward to seeing you this week. Bye.